Around this time last year, Nate and I did a series of episodes on summer camp. We did three episodes on summer camp. We talked about marketing. We actually had Nate's partner, Pira, on, who is a driving force around Brooklyn Music Factory summer camp. And then we also did an episode on curriculum. And we were thinking about how we wanted to start the podcast in 2024. And we thought, let's revisit this, but from a, a different angle. So Nate and I have invited Greg Genter, who's a friend of the podcast and one of the co-founders of grouplessons.com, to come on and talk about summer camp. So welcome back, Greg. Hi, how are you doing, guys? Uh, it's uh, good to be here. Great to have you back, Greg. Can't wait to hear what you share with us. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Now, our intention isn't to rehash the content of those episodes. And in fact, I've told Bethany, who's one of the marketing geniuses here at Grow, to put the links to the previous summer camp episodes in the show notes. Those are jam-packed with value. And I definitely recommend if summer camp is an issue for you or, or it's top of mind for you at this time of year, definitely go back and check those out. But something I have noticed, both with clients of mine... Nate's clients and people who just follow 7FMS or Grow or grouplessons.com, a lot of questions are coming up around summer camp. People are thinking about it. They're gearing up. Nate, I'd even ask you, you know, you all have an enormous summer camp program at Brooklyn Music Factory. Are you all gearing up for this right now? We are deep, deep in summer camp mode right now. In fact, when this airs, we'll be close to sold out already. So we've we've been ramping up to that. And I'll, we'll talk more about that when we get deeper in the app. But yeah, we're deep in it. Okay, cool. So again, I think now's the time to talk about summer camp. And like I said, we brought Greg back. He's the founder of Piano Express Method and grouplessons.com. And so what we're going to cover today is to talk about curriculum, talk about marketing, talk about having a high margin summer camp program, and the reason why I specifically wanted Nate to talk, or sorry, Greg to talk about this is a program that can be used for summer camp and year round. The idea of a seamless experience between your year round curriculum and what you do in the summer. And I brought him back because obviously he's an expert. And secondly, because I've had a front row seat to the journey his summer camp journey, because I was a big part of that journey as many of you know. So Greg, let's get going. Let me just ask to begin with, can you give like the short history of your summer camp experience and your, you know, your expertise in this area? Okay. Well, um, I had not heard of music summer camps when I started music summer camps. Um, I, I'm not sure how popular they were back in 2004, but, yeah. uh, but they've grown in popularity, at least it would seem since, uh, since our, my studio has been doing it. Um, my first experience in summer camps in general was when I was a teenager, I was working, I, I uh, my church, uh, sent me in the summer to, uh, different places in the state of Pennsylvania. Um, and, uh, I would do like uh, religious camp, uh, church camps for kids and uh, and that's really where I learned how to break down ideas and hold the attention of a group. And uh, and so as a teenager, I started getting comfortable working with groups of children. And then I went to music school. I got my degree. I started teaching. And and when summer after a couple summers rolled around, I had this light bulb 
go off in my head. It's like, wait, uh, I could, I could take a group of, of students and, um, really my, my motivation was to, to teach note reading in, in an immersive way. And I want to make this point right away, right, right on the front end. There's a lot of different reasons to do summer camp and there's no wrong reason, but, uh, I think that there's this temptation to say, well, summer is kind of the, Summer is the the music school's winter, right? That's that's where uh, there's not as much money, yeah. and uh, and 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 so how do we patch Such that hole? And, and maybe maybe we could just do a summer camp. And uh, I would say if that is your primary reason, is just to fill the the financial gap, dig a little deeper and find a real like meaningful reason. Like, what is your summer camp going to do for your community and for your students that you couldn't do in a weekly lesson? And if you want to steal my ideas that I'm going to share in the next 30 seconds, steal them, take them. It's, it's a, this is a good reason to do camp. I wanted to be able to teach my students to read notes in one shot. Okay. Um, I, I've heard stories like uh, back in the 17, 1800s, if you had a child who was proficient in music, you would send them away to live with a music professor. That was, that was uh, the, the, like the apprenticeship. Um, and uh, that, that was, that was not too uncommon in old days. Right. Um, uh, we could, we couldn't do that. I can't imagine any of my uh, family sending their children to live with me uh, <laughs> to learn piano, but you know, we have these, uh, Ferdinand Bayer books that say, you know, 100 progressive studies for the early pianist in their b- easy pian- piano for, for students in their first year or some crazy title like that. And you look at it and like, my students aren't playing this until their fifth year. What were they, what were they doing back in the 1800s in their first year? And the answer was they were living with the teacher. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so we can't do that year round, but we could definitely do it for a week. Right. And, and it's like, we could just, it, it would be like moving to Spain to learn Spanish. They are going to come to my camp and there is no way they are going to get from Monday to Friday without understanding how lines and spaces work on the staff. And so that was my driver. I wanted to, I, I, I kind of lost patience teaching note reading once mm. every, like a half an hour a week and yeah. having to review and rehash what the students remember and forget. And I was just like, I've had enough. We're, we're going to do this in summer camps. So that, that was the early days. I know you told me to be short. Uh, so no, that, that was great. <laughs> um, and I, I'll just add one piece to this that you called me during mm-hmm. Christmas break of 2004. I had yes. just finished my student teaching and you said, Daniel, I've got this crazy idea. And you just laid out a fairly, I remember this, it's been almost 20 years now, but you laid out this idea of your reasoning behind why you want to do the summer camp and and all this. It wasn't quite as eloquent as what you just said there. And I do remember us having quite a few discussions about, um, well, how many, how many people do we think we're going to enroll and all this sort of thing. But you mm-hmm. enlisted my help in co-writing that curriculum for that first summer, which we did in 2005. And that'll be my little contribution. But Greg and I would call each other on the phone. And this was back when cell phones, you still had a limited number of minutes. So we would call each other on the cell phone on the weekends when your minutes weren't counted against you. And we would, (laughs) I kid you not, we would start at like eight in the morning and we would go to noon or two o'clock. Do you remember this, Greg? Yeah. 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 And we were just hashing out this I ended up by the by summer writing a sixty page curriculum, and Greg wrote a one hundred page song workbook for that first year of summer camp that we did. So, yeah, 
And, Nate, and you, oh, go ahead. Nate, go I, ahead, I was going to say the, the, the amazing thing is it completely cashed in our first year, right? We had uh, 500 campers in our first year, right? <laughs> <laughs> I believe the number was seven. <laughs> Oh, seven. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which okay. we're going to get to shortly. We're going to get to how to sell out our summer camp. <laughs> right, right. But that story is so badass because it gets to the what I think is the most um, potent point you made there, Greg, which is what are you going to do that you couldn't do during a weekly lesson? Mm hmm. And take the time to go well past this idea of the cash value or, or what it's yeah. going to do to your income statement. Because like we, you know, Daniel and I talk about this all the time. The deeper you get into what your purpose and value is to the community you're building. And by the way, I love that you said like, well, how are you going to add value to your community? You didn't say, what are you going to do for the student? Mm. You said, how am I going to add value to the community? Which is a yeah. very different mindset than mm -hmm. thinking, what's this? What can I do for this one student? Mm. Um, what Daniel and I talk about often, Greg, is that as you get deeper into that, Knowing of how you serve your purpose, the dollars follow, mm -hmm. and they follow with less resistance. Yeah, and I and honestly, in the coaching work we do, it is very difficult to get owners initially to really invest that quality time you're talking about of thinking really deeply, like what am I even doing with my school and my studio, mm -hmm. and like. Daniel's talking about writing hundred. You're you wrote a hundred page um, uh, workbook for the f initial summer. Daniel chipped in sixty pages. And by the way, you guys are doing this six months before you even tried it out. Mm -hmm. You said you called over the holiday break. I wrote down on my card. I was like, six months before they started brainstorming. Yeah, this isn't yeah. like a June thing. This isn't like ah, we need to fill July. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, at the time, even, well, hold on. At the time, I believe I was 22. Greg, you were 24. So we yeah. had a lot of time on our hands. <laughs> right. 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 The Piano Express LLC was legally formed in in uh, in March, and that was March, April, May, June. That was only four months, and that felt like as soon as we opened and started advertising, we realized right away we were really short on time, dangerously short on time. I think one of the reasons why we only had seven is because we started, March is late. January, we're recording this in January, now is the time. And, and I'll just make a, even a further comment there that uh, we really didn't know what we were doing with the promotional aspect of things. And at the time, again, 20 years ago, uh, there was no Facebook ads. There were no Facebook groups. There, were, there was no Nextdoor Craigslist. We mm -hmm. were kind of at the mercy of being... I was poor and just out of college. Greg was poor and a few years out of college. And, you know, for us to make big ad buys, it looks like buying ads in legacy media, like newspapers mm -hmm. and radio spots and yeah. Washington, Washington Parent Magazine, which mm -hmm. was really expensive. Um, and, and so it really was just down to kind of guerrilla marketing ways that we could get the word out. And, you know, that's why in those initial summers, the attendance wasn't super great. So, and I would also say, Nate, I totally knew you were going to jump on the comments around the vision and purpose because that really stood out to me as well. And I know that's a favorite topic of yours. Um, Greg, how, how, from your perspective, because I have a different perspective on this, but I'm not, I'm not as interested in mine as I am in yours for this okay. episode. 
What do you remember about how we got students in those early years? How we got students? Yeah, I remember for the camp. Um, I remember uh, <laughs> going to soccer games and putting little flyers underneath people's windshields and getting called later that afternoon by park management telling us never to do that again. <laughs> I forgot like about that. that. <laughs> that's that's how we got our students in the early days. Um, wow. <laughs> one of our students that got one of those illegal papers uh, became not only a student, but several years in, uh, became a teenager still with me as a student and became one of our early staff by the time we uh, opened our year-round studio. One of our first staff was uh, because they found one of our uh, flyers. Uh, John Who Hoekstown. was that? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. I remember him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's you fun. know, Greg, I call that hand-to-hand combat. And sometimes you're just like, what do you need to do to get started? And you just got to get out there and pound the pavement. Yes. We definitely did the same thing at BMF. Mm. We were flyering. We were putting cards on windows of cars. We were doing, we were in the playgrounds because the playground uh, network is huge here in Brooklyn. But we were 100% hand-to-hand, hand-to-hand, just asking for referrals all you need is one sign up to do what actually Daniel, you talked about this with me early on working together. It's like as soon as you get one person who's interested, ask them to refer three more people that might be interested. Mm-hmm. And you just keep webbing out like that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Greg, let's talk a little bit about the curriculum in the early days. Because again, mm-hmm. I have the story that I tell myself in my head. I'm more interested in your perspective on this. Okay. How would you describe Uh, that in a way that would be helpful to people listening? Right. Yeah. Uh, We were starting from scratch. And so even like the idea of, okay, we're going to have a bunch of kids in a room playing piano. That's going to be noisy. They're going to be playing on top of each other. Wait a minute. Headphones. Wow. You know, headphones was like this novel idea. Um, You know, that we'll we'll have times where they can practice with their headphones on and they're not going to bother each other. Um, And uh, we only had enough money to buy like the most basic, uh, keyboards, you know, that there were, there were 61 key keyboards that the keys were uh, not touch sensitive. They, they, yeah. There was no, uh, not, they weren't very expressive, responsive instruments, but they had keys on them. Uh, you could press the keys with your fingers and, uh, you could teach kids to read notes. And, uh, um, we, we really, built a curriculum around just reinforcing uh, some memorization of some some key points on the staff and then the logic of lines and spaces. And we just drilled it all week. And, uh, and by the end of the week, students did all seven of our original seven summer campers could read music. And so um, I'd say it's a financially, it was a flop, but, but pedagogically it was a home run. And uh, that's, that's what kept me excited to, to go into year two and say, you know, Hey, we have this great idea. It's now it's a secret. People, people don't know, don't know about it. Um, But as far as taking another step back, I was still, looking for room for improvement. I am always looking for room for improvement. Today, as I sit here, I am still looking to improve what I do and how I do it. And in those early years, I didn't like the 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 feeling of students waiting their turn. It's like I had students that that wanted 
to show me a song they were practicing or students that were having trouble with their hand position. But I was over here working with this one student. It's like, okay, I'll get there in a minute. We'd have, Daniel, we had hands in the air. Like I remember on day three of summer camp, we looked around and six out of seven of our our campers, they had stopped playing and they all had their hand in the air. It's like, "Ah, you need your hands to practice. So what did we have the next day? We showed up next day with what? Uh, Three by five cards. Yeah, yeah. Red cards, if you need help, green cards if you want to show us a song. And we we told them to stick the card up, like straight up between their keys. That's that. So you keep your hands free. When you're waiting your turn, keep your hands in position, keep your eyes on the music. <laughs> yeah. I would even say that for the many people who've worked with me on converting their studios over to group lessons, this is where that idea originated from. The, the red card, <laughs> green card idea was from Mr. Greg Ginter, uh, genius extraordinaire. Um, oh, <laughs> So, Greg, I don't know if you have any more comments to make around the early days of the curriculum and marketing, but if you do, certainly drop those in before we hit to the next question. But I really wanted to transition to how do you do summer camp now? Because I know what we were doing 20 years ago isn't in any way, we're not, you're, you're not using that original workbook and curriculum that we wrote, obviously. So is this a good point to transition to how you're doing it now? Sure, sure. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to talk about that idea of, of children waiting their turn. Um, I call that assessment. Um, teachers have to do a lot of that in their weekly lessons. And if you run summer camp, you're going to, if you're teaching music, you're going to do a lot of assessment. You, you listen to the student. Are they practicing this properly? Did they learn what they were supposed to learn? Um, and in the early 2000s, um, there were a few digital pianos on the market that uh, I learned about that could that could handle automated assessment through MIDI technology. And I was just like, ooh, if I could get my hands on that, we could have kids like just trying to get grades. It would gamify things. It would be fun for kids. And for me as a teacher, it would speed up um, the uh, the the effectiveness of what what I could do in a day in a in a camp and and uh, beyond that I started to see like I could use this year round you know I could start to teach group lessons because even a few years into my summer camp I was not uh, doing anything else during the year other than teaching one on one lessons uh, private lessons and uh, I started to see the the way I could bring in technology to do two things gamify for students and manage time for me and uh, already a couple years into summer camp with the the best technology we had was headphones in our fir- first years I started to see that this could be a huge game changer like I started to see the possibilities because I already understood the pain points. I was already feeling the pain of of what I wasn't able to do, and uh, and so uh, Roland HPI pianos with the, this uh, MIDI technology built in, w- they were selling at a sweet three thousand three hundred dollars a piece, and all I needed was twelve, and I was still poor. In fact, I was worse than poor because now I'm a few years into a summer camp that still wasn't profitable. I'm sinking money into this thing, and it's, it still hadn't paid off. Um, Daniel, how many years did it take us to to finally recoup our original investment? Oh, uh, I don't Horrible. remember. I don't remember. I think remember. it was five years, four years. Yeah, and I would just say, just for context, because I was still single in the early years, I would actually come out to Virginia and live with Greg for a week or two and run some of the summer camp weeks with him. But the other weeks, we had hired assistants that would be the number two and number three person. And so mm-hmm. the deeper we got into the summer camp experience, I mean, Greg, the summer of 2011, I think we had 12 camp weeks, and they were 
they were pretty full, almost all of them, um, you know, yes. and we were running a camp week every single week of the summer. And this was an all day camp with before and after care, just for context. And that yeah. summer, you know, I was at that time, four years in a marriage. And I think I only came out for one or two weeks out of the 12. And so we had a lot of like Peter Kim, Joan Diamond, I think we're still working with us at the time. Right. And yeah. Uh, yeah. So by the anyway, time we got to just, year seven, eight, yeah. it started to blow up. Yeah. Oh, this did essentially turn into a success story. We had yeah. 250 campers in uh, 2010. Um, it was it was a crazy success. Yeah. Um, but but at a lot of learning, uh, a steep, long learning curve of figuring it out ourselves. Um, but uh, yeah, I would say that the the one big thing that has changed is incorporation of MIDI technology. So now uh, uh, students, we're on version four of our, our workbook. It's been rewritten four times now. Um, and uh, we're pretty happy with the version that we have now. Um, all of our songs have a web platform that uh, is a uh, companion to the book. And uh, so campers come in and they are playing these pieces, but the, there's also on, on our web platform, there's these background tracks that they play along to. And then the the computer is, is connected, cabled to the piano. And so the there's some artificial intelligence. Students can instantly see if they played notes correctly or not, rhythms correctly or not. They get a score. They can earn stars. And uh, all through the camp week, the more stars they earn at the end of the week, there's like this camp fair where they can cash in their stars for prizes. And so, you know, we make it exciting. And um, so I would say that it's it's gone more high tech but not just for technology's sake. It's not because I, I, I'm some lover of technology. I, I'm a very pragmatic person. I like things that work. I, like, I love efficiency. And I saw that uh, I could manage my time better if I incorporated strategic technologies and uh, the camp could be more of a gamified experience for the campers. And, and I just want to say that what Greg is talking about is – uh, the program that is one of the sponsors of this podcast, grouplessons.com. So this is both a year-round after-school program, and Greg uses this same uh, curriculum and program, but in a much more concentrated fashion during the summer. And so if you have more mm -hmm. questions about that, I would definitely head over to grouplessons.com because this is a solution that can raise margins in your studio, not only during the summer, but actually year-round as well. Nate, you've been yeah. kind of quiet. I bet you've got a lot of questions over there. Um, maybe yeah. I'd turn it over to you for some questions while I go get some water. How's that sound? Good. I just have a, a yeah. Actually, I have one fundamental question around the development of this. Mm -hmm. um, I'm fascinated, Greg, because and I, I'm fascinated about what inspires an owner to take the actions that she takes in their studio, right? Mm -hmm. And so you said, you just ended by saying, it's not like I'm a technology lover. Right. However, when you said you wanted to develop a curriculum, one of the first things you mentioned was there were MIDI keyboards that could do self-assessment. Mm -hmm. That's very much, it feels like in your wheelhouse, like you think along those lines, you think along tools that are available mm -hmm. that will realize the outcome you wanted. And just as a reminder, like 15 minutes ago, you said, the one thing I wanted to accomplish was note reading. Yeah. You were like, that's what I wanted to do because as you put it, I, I couldn't do it in a weekly lesson. But then you immediately said, I'm fascinated by, and it sounds like you were an early adopter of, and an early investor, 12 times 3,000. No, my guess is you didn't buy 12 of them, but maybe you did. I did. 
Uh, I, I was in such debt. I was. I had to put it all on a credit card. I couldn't even get yeah. a bank loan. That uh, it was horrible debt. <laughs> Did I remember that? I remember the first time I bought my. I wanted a little legit keyboard to play my gigs on, and I put like a four or five thousand dollar Roland Plus amp on a credit card with an interest rate of like twenty six percent. And when I told like my uncle this that summer, he was like, Nate. Don't ever do that again. <laughs> Those are like loan shark rates. <laughs> yes. Anyways, but for me, it was a point of pride. It's like same age as you were then, where you're like, I'm going to do this. I believe this can happen, and I'm going to prove that it can work by paying off the debt yeah. from the resources. But to my core question, Greg, is this. Tell me a little bit more, or talk to our listeners a little bit more about following their um, sort of native genius and area of interest around developing their own version of a summer camp. So you talked about knowing what you want to achieve, mm-hmm. but then I'm curious, let's say someone was like, no, I don't want any tech. That's right. not how I operate. We're like all hand drums and acoustic pianos or something. I'm curious, just like talk to me about that because you, before we even got on the call, you you told me some awesome stories about working with Andy, your CTO, of, uh, on bug squashing mm-hmm. in your software. That is a very particular thing to you, Greg, right. that you want to bug squash within the software. So mm-hmm. I wonder if you could talk to us about just sort of honoring that part of you as an owner mm-hmm. to pursue the tools that are going to work for your creation of a summer camp. Curious yes. your take on that. Okay. Um, there is so much value in knowing yourself. Okay. Um, pay attention to your passions and pay attention to your pain points. Um, the vast majority of humanity, when they have a pain point, they just get angry and frustrated. Right. Right. But innovators, and I think business owners, if, if you're uh, an owner of a small studio, mid-sized studio, large studio, to some extent, part of your job is innovating. So a pain point for you, you should say, you know, is this pain necessary? Is there a solution? And, uh, and, and just be creative and, and, um, start thinking along the lines with summer camp. Like what could I do if I had children every for five consecutive days, um, for several hours a day, rather than whatever it is, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour a week. Um, and is there a way for you to, solve the pain points? Is there a way for you to pursue your passions in a summer camp that that is m- much more accessible than it would be in a weekly lesson? And I would say if the answer is yes, then run in that direction. Don't walk, don't trot, yeah. run. You have to passionately pursue those things. And, and if there's a passion behind it, the hard work doesn't feel like hard work. It feels like adventure. And, yes. um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I would just encourage anyone listening, know yourself and, and uh, put, point your nose in that direction and go. You know, you said one thing earlier that I wrote down on my card here, which is waiting their turn always bummed you out. Mm-hmm. And I wrote down one p- great part of running in that direction of what you're passionate about is making your what it's not going to look and feel like list. Mm-hmm. Like, here's my list of things that it won't look and feel like. And I'm guessing in your list, it was like, there won't be a bunch of kids sitting around waiting their turn. 
By the way, I loved your your overnight solution with red card, blue card, or I can't remember what the cards are, yeah, red colors. Green. But um, I love that. And it reminds me um, of something you said. Uh, one of my mentors and coaches was like, Nate, as we're getting to know ourselves, if you want to know what you believe in, look at what you actually do. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. look at your oh, actions from the last day. You know, don't don't look at your journal of what you all aspire to do. For example, in the studio or when you're on the job site teaching today, if you're listening before you go in, look at how you actually spend the five hours as a teacher mm-hmm. and really get get specific with your actions, because that's where your values lie. Yeah. Yep. That's where the interest lies. I love that. And I love your last point of run in the direction. That's the all in piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Run. Don't sort of walk. Don't look from a distance. Do what Greg and Daniel did, which is just sprint towards it and use up all their cell phone minutes. Uh, so, Greg, I think a good question to ask at this point, because we just talked about how you're doing summer camp now. I think. You covered, we both kind of covered earlier how we got students back then, mm-hmm. illegal papering of cars. I'll, I'll name a few others. We did do postcards, which got us phone calls and, and people. Yeah. We did eventually be able to afford to put ads, half page and full page ads in Washington Parent. We did go to the Dulles Town Center and do camp fairs, and we yes. get a lot of names and phone numbers there. Mm-hmm. How are you getting students now? Um, it, it, advertising is so much better now. <laughs> Nowadays, it's cheaper. It's it's more efficient. Um, I love Google Ads. Uh, I love uh, I, I I use Facebook for as a business owner uh, to to promote the studio. Uh, Facebook and Google. Uh, that's the vast majority. And then, of course, there's always word of mouth. Um, I don't have any other focused way of actively promoting. Um, There's our website. um, And as far as like selling out our summer camps, we've been doing this now uh, for about 20 years in the region. Okay. It's been almost that long. And uh, we, uh, it's, it's easy for us because the community, a lot of people in the community know that we do it. So I go on my website. In fact, it's on my weekly list to do uh, before the end of this month. And it's the 26th. So I'm going to go on the website write in uh, the links to the forms and, and announce that summer camp's open, send a mass email to our uh, student base and uh, start putting ads in, in uh, Google. And uh, that is all that I've done. Uh, I, I just wake up the, the, the webpage, announce it, turn on ads and the summer camps do sell out every year uh, now. Uh, it's it's very little effort compared to the massive effort that it takes to start. And I think a lot of projects are like that. And so I would say if there's anyone listening who's in their first or second year, it's like, this is way too hard. I'm, you know, I'm about to burn out. Uh, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. The, the hard work, eventually you, you hit the top of that bell curve and you start going down and uh, things start working for you. And, uh, you know, we've 20 years in, we've, Daniel and I, we, we paid our, paid our early years dues. And uh, so marketing and getting students now is pretty, uh, it's, it's like a routine procedure for me. Yeah. Uh, I, 
would love to just add in here that there isn't a lot of mystery these days about the, the, the general direction any studio owner should be going to promote their studio, or in this case, topic of this um, talk, summer camp. Uh, and so if there is confusion around the marketing piece, I would just say, contact me, like go to growyourmusicstudio.com go and hit the contact button and send me an email because we have a marketing training that if I were promoting a summer camp, the things I would tell you to do are in that marketing training. And I will even add to that point to say that I have started teaching some of my clients in the last three months, something new that we're doing on Facebook that I have never taught before that I'm really not seeing other people talk about in the space that, that actually is even more recent than the Facebook training we did last October. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would just say, reach out to me if this is something, because some of this new stuff that we're doing is really powerful and kind of cutting edge new stuff. Um, so I would just say, reach out because marketing your camp, the best hack is to have been in business for 20 years. <laughs> but mm-hmm. if you haven't been in business for 20 years, you're going to have to suffer through those first two years like Greg and I did back in 2005. And I'm sure as Nate did in those first couple years where you just don't have that momentum yet, but to build up the momentum faster, to get to a point where you can rely on that regional love for your camp. And now you've literally got parents who used to be, who 20 years ago were our first campers. And now they have children like, oh yeah, I know who I'm going to for music. If you don't, you've got to build that first and you can accelerate how quickly you can build that with the right kind of marketing. Nate? I just want to say, so let's say we do that. Love it, Daniel. What we're really doing is building a list. We're building a trusted list, right? And even it, so right now, literally at BMF, when we record this, it's late January. It's going to come out. You are listening to it in March. Our goal by the end of January is to have 135 early bird enrollments that have already paid a deposit for summer. And sold out for us is something like 280 enrollments. That's our capacity right now for our songwriting camp. So we want to be halfway there by the end of January with early birds. We want to be fully sold out by the end of March, right? And then we just develop about 100 to 150 family waiting list over the next couple of months, right? So... What you're doing, and I really want to push into this, everybody listening here actually has some kind of list already. There's no way you're listening to the 7FMS podcast just because you randomly found us and are curious. You have at least 10 or 20 families that know and trust you. So we literally right now to hit that 135 early bird mark, Pira, our camp director, who is essentially one of the most trusted faces of a camp that's got a staff of 15 people a week. She is texting all the families from last year this week saying, you've got three or four days left if you haven't bought your early bird deposit. And she's putting in a little personal note about their child because she knows every one of those 250 kids, Mm -hmm. right? So here's the school that will absolutely, Brooklyn Music Factory will have 150 family waiting list and we will be 100, no question, sold out. We know we'll be sold out eight to 10 months before we even start our marketing efforts. However, 
we are still doing things like that hand to hand, reaching out and ensuring that those families that trust us and know us mm -hmm. get first dibs and hear from us. So everybody listening, absolutely build your list and reach out, you know, reach out to Daniel, go to grow and go through the marketing course. And at the same time, as you're growing your list, I strongly encourage you to look at what's already in front of you and begin going straight to those families. Describe your vision as Greg did such a beautiful job. He's like, here's what I want to do. In one week, I want your child to be able to know and recognize the lines and spaces and be able to read music. Mm -hmm. So text that to a mom today, if that's your vision. Yeah. Mm. Greg, I would ask you, are there any particular winning messages that you're using when you're enrolling? Again, it sounds like things have gotten a little bit easier for you because of the built-in reputation you have, but are there messaging points? Are there any hacks you could offer to people around messaging or you know, marketing or, or ways that you talk about the camp that could be helpful to folks? Just out, just out of curiosity. I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot there. No, it's fine. Uh, when, I, when I talk about my camp in particular with families, I say that it is our most immersive experience. I use the word immersive when I talk about camp more than I would talk about our weekly lessons. Um, I, I tell my, my prospective families that music, if you're going to learn to read music, you know, then, then there is a language learning component. And learning a language by showing up at a class once a week is a lot like high school, right? But uh, learning a language by living there for, you know, a few days is a lot like foreign exchange. Um, and, and so it's like you're, you're moving to Spain to learn Spanish. You're coming to my camp to learn to read music. And, uh, and, and so I, I just tell, tell my families that, uh, you know, that again, that is our goal. That was our goal 20 years ago. And even though, you know, we've talked about the evolution of tools and the evolution of workbooks, you know, we've scrapped old workbooks, rewrote it because we keep having new ideas, but the vision has never changed. The soul of what our summer camp is trying to do has never changed. And so that's still my message to families. You're muted, Daniel. Do you enroll current students in your camp, students that are already in your studio, let's say in the previous school year, do, you, do they enroll in the camp during the summer? Like for this coming summer, will they enroll? They do. Yeah, we have a lot of repeat enroll en enrollers. So our summer camp is also, um, I, I like to teach with a little bit of a sense of humor, but then in a summer camp, if they're going to be with me all week, it gets a little more crazy. Like I'll, I'll, uh, we have a little spot in the middle of the day where we talk about music history and I'll actually put on a powdered wig and pretend to be a composer from, uh, the, the 1700s. And, uh, you know, I, I act a little goofy and, and, uh, and, and so, you know, we have this idea of, you know, cashing in your, your stars for prizes. And we don't do that anywhere else in our, our program. So a lot of students just have this memory of having a lot of fun in our, our camp. Um, we have a lot of parents who tell us, you know, we we signed up this summer for for swim camp, horseback riding camp, archery camp. We weren't sure about this piano camp because it sounded like, you know, a really stuffy, boring thing. But our kids said your camp was the most fun. Um, I wish that message could get, go door to door. We could knock on everyone's door and be like, hey. The kids think our piano camp is the most fun, by the way. Uh, parents still wouldn't believe us. It's something you have to see to believe. 
but yeah, a lot of kids, they, they, a lot of students, they experience it and they want to come back. So we will let them in and it, it, it acts like a concentrated shot of, uh, confidence in their note reading. It's like, uh, it's like getting a booster shot from from the doctor. Um, you know, you've already had one, but here's another, this is going to keep you, uh, uh, what immunized from the the plagues of being functionally illiterate as a musician? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. What? Which is easier, the old way you did camp or the new way? Oh, the the, the new way. Obviously, you know, <laughs> using technology is like is like uh, MIDI technology is like a really amazing staff person that you uh, only had to pay once when you bought it the first time, <laughs> and uh, and and it just works hard for you every day. Um, I I love the technology tools, um, and I wanted to say one thing. This is maybe a little bit off course, but I want to make sure I squeeze this in uh, before time runs out. As far as like um, the bleed from summer camp to year round. Um, I want to go back to a little bit of uh, my history. When I started to embrace MIDI technology and, and, and use it in summer camp, I was way more wide open to group lessons for the first time in my life. And now, you know, I'm uh, owner or part owner of a website that is just grouplessons.com. So I'm, I, I'm obviously a believer in group lessons. Now, the technology was one of the things that got me over, over the hill, but I still had to convert my studio that was all one-on-one lessons to group lessons. And that was frightening for me. And uh, I know there's a lot of uh, studio owners that might be curious about summer camps and then also in group lessons. But one of the hardest pain points would be like, but how do we convert? How do we make these changes? And one of the easiest ways to do it is to run a big summer camp. Invest in promoting your summer camp a little more than you think you, you, you would. Try to get numbers that are higher. You get all those people in and you create an environment in the camp that you want to run for the rest of the year. And there is no conversion because they, they met you and they, they, their first experience with you was that experience that you wanted to carry on year round. So what happened with me for a few years, I was still teaching some one-on-one lessons, but the people that came in with camp, they had this high tech group lesson experience in camp and they wanted to keep it going. And I said, great, I'm going to do this in a class every week. And they're just like, great. There was no, it was completely resistance free from families, from students, because that's, that, that was their experience. Um, There is always in a lot of people resistance to change. There's resistance in teachers, there's resistance in students, in in parents. And if you say, hey, I'm going to change the curriculum, I'm going to change the format a lot of people are going to be like, whoa, but, uh, but if you start in a summer camp, you know, you build a summer camp program that can start to feed into some things that you want, you might want to keep during the year. So, uh, it's, I'd say a, a summer, a good summer camp program is also a great way to build a year round group lesson program. If you wanted to go in that direction too. Mm. Any last thoughts or questions, Nate? The one area we haven't talked about mm. is staffing. And I think you've started touching on it here where you said a great summer program can can develop a even more uh, robust after school. Any thoughts? um, You know, I came in asking Pira, our camp director, what she's literally working on right now. And her number one thing, she said, it's all about hiring, hiring, hiring Mm. in January, February, and March to ensure that you're ready to go by downbeat second week or first week of July for us. 
I'm curious um, if you have any thoughts just on building staff for summer mm -hmm. or, yeah, just thoughts on that. Well, I'm in a very unique situation where um, part of my model for year round is to hire high school students as teacher assistants. So we have, um, in our year round program, we have group lessons. We have professional teachers with music degrees, but we also have an army of teacher assistants that help manage uh, groups and help facilitate practice and, and do some, some uh, more, more routine work. And then the MIDI technology. So I have all these high schoolers who have been working in, in with me for years and years. A lot of them go on to college and then right. they don't have classes during, during the summer. And a lot of them just call me and say, Hey, do you need help during summer camp? Yeah. Um, and so I get all the help I need as far as extra hands and people just from my former high school staff that are now in college that are going to be home uh, for for summer break. Um, I would say to anyone running a summer program, if you need extra staff that you are only hiring seasonally, college uh, music majors, uh, college age kids is, is for me, that's been my go-to because it works out perfectly. Those are, those are people that are looking for work just in the summer. And so it seems to be a perfect fit. Yeah. So tip number one, reach back to students that have gone through your school. Mm. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, we get tons of those people writing. And of course, um, for our listeners, why are they such an awesome hire? Because they've already been trained to your culture. Mm -hmm. They already, they literally grew up in it. Yeah. Um, secondly, mm. you know, our version of that college hire you're talking about is we actually go to the DOE. We go to the Department of Education and look for music teachers that have the summers off. And we will hire one, two, or three of those as our seasonal employees so that's they have smart. mad. Oh, yeah, that's they, genius. Yeah, and they have great classroom management skills, obviously, because they're going from a 30 student classroom down to only a six student band. So to mm -hmm. them, it's easier than falling off a log. Yeah. But um, they're also, uh, you know, they're adults, they're professional, they're already employed. Stepping into a place that's highly structured like Brooklyn Music Factory is, is really seamless for them. So, wow. Nice tip on that. Uh, I think that's it for me. Um, I did want to share the one other piece around what we're doing now for our listeners just at Brooklyn Music Factory to develop camp. And it's tied in very much to what you're talking about, Craig, where you're always refining and improving the offering, right, of, mm -hmm. of, of how do you achieve what you want the outcome to be. And um, my partner, Pira, wrote this down. She's like, we actually only add one new um, product per summer to our camp. So our camp's a songwriting camp and it serves ages four to 11. Well, we're going to add this summer, uh, middle school camp. So more of an wow. advanced songwriting band and we're just, but she made the point, um, that I really appreciate, which is she like, she says, and she's diehard about this. She says, you add one thing and you do that one thing as well as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. And you learn from that rather than, hey, let's let's throw out four different ideas and see which one sticks this summer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, which is a tough one. Um, and it's actually back to one of your great, great comments like 35 minutes ago, which is add that one thing and sprint towards that one thing. Mm -hmm. Run towards it with all the creative juices flowing. 
So anyways, I wanted to, I wanted to share that, Daniel, before we wrap, because um, those are the three things we're working at BMF. Number one, hiring, 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 training as well. We train them in our day camps all spring. Number two, make sure that sucker's sold out. So all the marketing we were talking about, all the sell, sales work we were talking about on our list that's growing. And then number three, develop one new offering so that you can expand your camp each season. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I would just remind as we're kind of wrapping here that uh, if you're wanting to upgrade the summer camp, certainly reach out to Nate or go to bigmusicgames.com slash 7FMS. Big Music Games can be used in a summer camp setting. Obviously, we've been talking about grouplessons.com being able to be used in a summer camp setting. And if you are interested in promoting your camp in a more robust way, Go to growyourmusicstudio.com slash free training. And there's a free marketing training we give there. And uh, you can get more information about how to just become a rock star marketer. I think that's a wrap, everyone. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Check back with us next week. We'll have another awesome episode coming out on Wednesdays of every week. If you want notifications on the episodes, you can go to growyourmusicstudio.com slash 7FMS and just sign up for updates. You'll hear from us on... uh, whenever we release a new podcast episode. That one's a wrap. We'll see you all in the next one. Hey, it's Nate again. You know, every year at Brooklyn Music Factory, we get dozens and dozens of great reviews from our families. And you want to know how? Because we ask them. And they're happy to leave a review because of the positive impact that we've made on them. And so now... I have a simple ask for you. If this podcast, the 7FMS podcast, was helpful to you, would you mind leaving a review for Daniel and I? And please, share the podcast with another music school owner that you think might benefit. It's one of the best ways that you can support us. We appreciate it.